Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Gonzo, aka Super G, is in the building, and Andrew Cashflow, also known as the Cashflow King, is joining us, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how new documents were leaked from Amazon this weekend, showing millions of users, NFTs, and digital tokens are soon coming to Amazon Web Services. As the NASDAQ is launching crypto custody services this summer, bringing billions to the digital asset space. Coinbase is making an effort to revolutionize finance, creating new inflation peg tokens called flat coins. As Fortune Magazine published an article in support of Ripple and XRP, stating this company is dominating global markets despite ongoing litigation. XRP's price chart has apparently flipped in momentum, bringing the bulls back into the Phoenix. And with global banking collapse happening before our eyes, we break down the details, showing our community how the collapse of the dollar inevitably brings billions into blockchain technology. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto had a great weekend, and I think we should start there, Johnny. First of all, congratulations on going to the Stardog event. I hope you had a great time. Why don't you fill our listeners in? How was it, and what would you learn? Well, uh, thank you there, Abs. First of all, let me just start this out like we always do. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. Appreciate you. Love you guys, all you guys. I know there's too many out there, so Millionaire Guy, everybody, good morning. Uh, Abs, that was a wonderful event. We were a uh, sponsor at the at the uh, Darcy Donovan's um Star Dogs event, which is a really, really cool project. You can learn more about it this week on Late Night Crypto. We're going to have around to talk about it. Uh, we met some good contacts there, so we're excited about that. And what was really cool was not only getting to see Coach and Jeremy, but also to hang out with uh, Gonzo and his wife for some dinner. It was really, really awesome. Then we spent the day on Alcatraz to go check that out. Not a place you want to be long term, but it was awesome. I don't want to waste too much time. Andrew, great to see you. And uh, again, good morning to all the Warriors. Love you guys. And abs, it was exciting. Thank you, Johnny. Always happy to have you back, bro. And Gonzo, you're the lucky man who got to have dinner with Johnny Crypto and his cousin, Mike. So congratulations to you. But of course, I'm only kidding. How are you feeling this morning, my friend? And thank you for making time for us. I'm feeling amazing. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, man, it was a great weekend. Uh, like Johnny said, the event was down in Southern California and LA with all the Hollywood stars and stuff. And uh, he drove up to San Francisco, which is uh, next to me. So we got to meet up for dinner. Uh, and yeah, it was a great time. Anytime we get to be together in person. It's just awesome. Looking forward to the conference so that we're all together in the same room. That's going to be great. But yeah, man, it's going to be uh, an interesting week. Uh, I, I can, uh, I'm already looking at the charts. We're probably going to get some volatility this week, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a great show. Andrew Cashflow, we like to say when there's blood in the streets, that's the time to buy. But we're going to dive into that later in the episode. How are you feeling this morning, my friend? And thank you for being here. Why don't you fill our listeners in on the new hot tub you purchased this weekend? <laughs> yeah indeed you know sometimes you know you have to work you have to study you have to work on yourself but also you have to celebrate your wins and you have to live and you have to relax so so we went actually to a to a, to a factory where they produce spas and and whirlpools and so you know it was actually a very fun weekend that's awesome, Andrew. And we already got 205 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're at 3,224 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in greed this morning, Johnny Crypto. And I'd love to just take a couple of seconds and address this here because we're getting some red bubbles, but the greed index is high. So what does that mean to you? Yeah, man, I'll tell you what it means. Again, if you're long-term, like 
you know, most of us are. Yeah, <laughs> has Gary been around? I was away, so I don't know what was happening with Gary, but, you know, miss you too, Ivan and everybody. But, you know, if you're a long-term hodler like most of us are here, to be honest with you, Abs, these, you know, what it's doing now, I don't even pay attention. I don't care, right? Because I'm really looking to next year. But if you're a short-term swing trader, whoo, there's a lot of red there. But if you're a short-term, short-term swing trader, this is the time where you need to be thinking about, you know, taking a little bit off the top, executing your exit plan. Because, you know, in greed, we know how this works. You, there has to be a liquidity. There has to be someone to buy. And when people are greedy... That's when the big money, smart money is selling. So I would just caution anybody out there. If you're playing this game, you're a swing trader, you know, this is probably a good time to be taking some money off the table. But again, we're not financial advisors, and that is definitely not financial advice. Well, Johnny Crypto, we create the titles before the episode. And as you can tell, XRP was pumping this morning, but it's turned into the smallest green bubble on the board, up 2.9%. Across the board, we're looking red. When we dive into the total coin market cap, we are sitting at $1.12 trillion this morning. Bitcoin is 46% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 26600 Ethereum, 1700 XRP is $0.48. Cents. And I want to remind our listeners, despite being down 5% today, XRP is up nearly 21% on the seven days. So some great momentum here. Polygon is at $1.04. Chainlink about $7. Lidow, which is a decentralized Ethereum staking protocol at $2.07. And Quant Network continuing to regress, sitting at 118. And Gonzo, I'd love to get some thoughts from you before we dive into our articles for today. What are some of the projects that you're keeping an eye on? I know we're getting some bearish momentum, but we've been bullish for so long. I think it's a healthy rebound. What does it mean to you? Yeah, you know, uh, I think what pulled the XRP price down is uh, is Bitcoin. Man, we just we just broke the lower the the low that we had. Not a big deal though. We have tons of support at that like 25.5 level. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get close to that. We're like a 26 seven right now but what's happening with the altcoin is a lot of them are uh, are hitting their bottom of the ranges uh like link is at the middle of the range but a lot of them like filecoin that we talk about algorand they're all kind of at the bottom of their trading range so uh you know everybody has to have their own plan but it might be a good time to dollar cost average into your alts if you believe in altcoins um but yeah i think this is like a temporary kind of red thing we're going to get volatility this week um but uh, a lot of the altcoins are at the bottom of the ranges. And that's when I like to dollar cost average is when an altcoin is at the bottom of its range because it's held support. And then we just kind of move up from there. Absolutely, Gonzo. And we're going to start this show off with an interesting video before we kick it to my man, Andrew Cashflow. We've been, we've been highlighting the coordinated attack from American regulators on the cryptocurrency industry in the United States. And I think this man does a great job of telling us exactly what's happening and what we can expect in the future. But we already got 240 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to let the short clip play and go back to Andrew here. Here we go. The, an operation by the Biden administration called Operation Choke Point which made the case that the Biden administration was quietly attempting to ban crypto. And now, you know, a month later, there's all these things that are all these steps that the administration is, is taking to go after crypto. And he, you know, he lays out a bunch in a bullet point list. So the SEC announced a lawsuit against crypto infrastructure company Paxos. Crypto exchange Kraken settled with the SEC. SEC chair Gensler openly labeled every crypto asset other than Bitcoin as security. Senate Committee on Environment and Public Works held a hearing in basing Bitcoin. Biden administration proposed a bill that singles out crypto miners for owners' tax treatment. New York Attorney General declared Ethereum, which is the second largest crypto asset, a security. That's a huge change, by the way. Yep. SEC continues. I'd love to just pause it there for a second, Andrew. The reason that Gary Gensler labeled Ethereum a security is because we know there's a lawsuit coming around the corner. And the further, the further he can distance himself from the Ethereum alliance and the corruption that took place back in 2014 the better it is for the SEC. But I'm going to play about 15 more seconds to go back to you, Andrew. Here we go. The anti-consumer protection efforts by doubling down their attempt to block a, a spot Bitcoin ETF. OCC let crypto bank Protego's application for a nat national trust charter expire. And then the SEC just sent Coinbase a Wells notice. So I think it's hard to, to argue that there isn't a concerted effort now to crack down on crypto by a wide variety of government agencies and authorities 
starting with Gensler at the SEC, who seems incredibly hostile to crypto. And this reminds me of the Twitter thread that we love to highlight on our channel, Johnny. And that would be the Twitter thread that Tony Edward put out a few weeks ago, highlighting the details behind Operation Chokepoint and the way that the United States government is going to take the way that crypto is regulated today and bring it into traditional finance. And I think this man did a great job of highlighting that here. Andrew, before I get your thoughts, there's one other detail I'd like to provide. One of the reasons that Gary Gensler believes he has the free pass to regulate crypto is supposedly, and this is according to Tony Edward in Operation Chokepoint 2.0, he's been given direct authority from the president of the United States, as well as the CFTC and the OCC to go out, regulate crypto, let JP Morgan, Bank of America, and many of these other traditional financial firms take over, and then we'll continue our bull run into 2025. So I'd love to get some of your thoughts, and then we'll hear from the other members of the group. What does that mean to you, Andrew? What, what you see here, and I always like to see it from, from a somewhat wider perspective, there, there is currently a campaign to put as much negative news as possible into the crypto market. And there is an absolute reason for that, because the, the, the banking system, you know, it's, it's weakening at the moment. And, and, and actually already for years, because the, the whole fractional reserve banking system is based on trust. And as soon as trust disappears, you know, the, the, the whole economy, the whole country, the whole world will, will go, go bust because crypto is not big enough at the moment to do that. However, a sign on the wall is that, you, you look it up, how many people have owned Bitcoin, it's growing and growing, and they did not touch it the whole last year. It's just sitting there. I mean, it gives more and more, more and more uh, proof that, that more and more people say, my money is not safe anymore in the, in, in the traditional banking system. And for that reason, yeah, I can imagine also it, it's a headache for the for the president of the United States. And, and so more negative news must go out just because, uh, you know, take up the note, uh, Johnny, CDBC is going to give But that's what's happening at the moment. They try to 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 yeah to make uh, to look uh, crypto bad that, that they say okay but we look much better and that's what you see and and I think Gary Gensler I, I get more and more convinced is a marionette in the whole system and he has just his direction from from a higher source and what you say even from the president of the United States and he thinks he can do everything yeah you know but and when we later discuss about the, uh, the article about Coinbase, I will go a little bit deeper in, in what I think will happen in the future. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to see. Yeah, Andrew, and look at what JP Morgan had to say as well. And Johnny, I'd love to kick it to you here. JP Morgan said the banking crisis could present an opportunity for some exchanges which could gain market share by offering banking services to crypto native firms and investors. And what I read into this, I see that JP Morgan is not only endorsing crypto and stating this is going to take place. They want to be at the forefront. And Gary Gensler's job is to give them an opportunity to come into this market, custody assets for cheap, and then profit on the way up into our next bull run. So I'd love to get some thoughts before we dive into our next article, Johnny. What does it mean to you, JP Morgan's statements, after the video we just showed? Well, I mean, this is a <laughs> complete flip, complete 180. If you think about what JP Morgan, the CEO, has been saying about crypto and how they, you know, he can't stand it and it's crap and all this stuff. And then... The <laughs> Actually, see them come out there and say, you know, the question I have is, when was that? When was that statement? Is that an earlier statement? Yeah, that's from that's from about two weeks ago, I believe. Or oh, week, wow, it's that recent. And a half, maybe a week and a half. Yeah, I mean, it, then 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 it's significant, right? And it tells you exactly what you just said. And it's no surprise we've been saying it on this show. We can see what's happening. The shakeouts happening. The choke points happening. It's it's shaking everybody out so that the big boys, the elites, the elite systems can put themselves in position. As we said on this show a few months ago, they're going to squeeze everybody out to get their their positions in place, and then they're going to let this own bitch fly like you've never seen it fly before. And uh, so that's all happening, like you said, I think before the next bull run uh, or having that's coming in in you know next year or twenty twenty about a year from now actually, right? About one year. Awesome. And Gonzo, I'd love to get some thoughts from you as well. But before we do that, we got 304 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I'm going to read a Thomas Jefferson tweet that is more relevant than it's ever been before. So Thomas Jefferson said the banks are more dangerous than armies. If Americans ever allow private banks to control the issue of currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, they, the people, will derive the people from all of their property and the children will wake up homeless. Now, that may sound dramatic, but it is the truth. And if you want to study history, 
Go back. It's full of examples of central banks coming in and collapsing societies with inflation. But we're going to dive into an article later on in the show from Coinbase stating how they're trying to create a new product to battle inflation. They're called flat coins, and they're going to move up with inflation. But Gonzo, let's just stick on this article here. How do you feel about this quote from Thomas Jefferson with everything that's going on today? Yeah, you know, uh, the um, Caitlin Long did a really good interview, uh, I think it was last week, with Anthony Pompliano, and she talked about this. She talked about the administration and how they, it, they're they giving the appearance of trying to roll back uh, technology, right, that they're afraid of it, that the, the last few banks that have collapsed, Silvergate, Silicon Valley Bank, and Signature, um, were our most tech-forward banks, right? They were using technology like we use, API keys. And... Um, it's not a coincidence that these were the banks that went away, right? Now, whether it's you want to believe it's because it's Operation Choke Point 2.0 or because they were tech forward and because they were operating 24-7, that sped up the bank run, right? That just depends on where you fall. But like we always talk about conspiracies, conspiracies are conspiracies until they're true, right? And then they're not conspiracies anymore. Um, but all you have to do is just see what's, what's happening. Like you have the SEC that's out there filing all these different lawsuits. And then what's happening behind the scenes quietly? You have NASDAQ. We have the story that we're going to talk about later. That's rolling out their custody crypto in quarter two, right? Um, so you have these traditional TradFi companies that are starting to kind of roll in, right? You have JP Morgan now talking what I think is positively about crypto. When we know that Jamie Dimon is always talking negatively about it, right? BNY Mellon, uh, there was a story that we talked about months ago that's starting to get into crypto, right? And so you have these traditional finance that are starting to get in. And this is this goes to what we've been talking about that they're trying to slow it down because they're not gonna stop it. It's not going away. They're just trying to figure out how they're gonna get their hooks into it, how they're gonna make their money, and then they're gonna let it run. The mute Sorry about that. I got stuck on the mute yeah. button in the background. Yeah. Absolutely gone. So and I wanna kick it to Johnny Crypto here, but Johnny, Gonzo brought up a great point. Caitlin Long has tried to get crypto involved with the Federal Reserve many times before, and they've shut her down right at the door. And before I play this video, I want to read a tweet that she put out this weekend. So this weekend, Caitlin Long published a report on the Federal Reserve and the status of getting her crypto bank involved in their custody services. The Federal Reserve just reiterated its conclusion in the middle of a banking crisis that it did not see coming, that a bank holding cash to back 108% of its reserves was unsafe and unsound. While it continues to believe that banks holding cash only up to 6% of deposits are safe and sound within our banking system. So, Johnny, I think you have some comments on that tweet. I'm not sure. If not, I can play this video, but I want to give you a chance to comment. <laughs> I'm so confused by that tweet. Isn't that crazy, though, dude? Like They're basically telling her that they denied their charter to be a bank because they want to hold more deposit money, right? They don't well, want to do the fractional reserve banking thing right and so and the reason why because they think that what she's doing is risky isn't that well, wild well, well, which is hilarious because we all know all right so now let me strip away the bullshit and tell you what's really happening is obviously what they don't want to happen is for other banks to realize that or for people to realize that the way to run a, a safe and operational system is to have 100 percent protection if you have 108 percent protection then there's no way a bank can fail because you can cover all the deposits right and then the problem goes away now if you show that model to the world that it works, what do you think is going to happen next? Come on, guys. Yeah, the you rest know, of the banks have to follow suit, right? Yeah, yeah. and that means yeah, now these banks can't, can't, re can't lend money. They don't want that, of course. But but to say it's, it's anyway, we beat this horse. It's important. 100% bullshit, but obviously this is the problem. This is the problem. You have people running the system that aren't going to let things work. The right way, unfortunately, absent. Let me put it right back through here because I think you made a great point. And I don't want to stray away from it. Back in 2008, the same bankers who are leading our economy today collapsed this economy and got an $800 billion bailout at the time. But you know what's so great is that <laughs> this is so funny. So the Federal Reserve earlier or the government earlier this year said that all Venmo transactions over $600 need to be reported and taxed. Well, you know what else came out this year? $4.8 trillion of unaccounted for money have been lost since 2020. So while they're focused on these tiny transactions, the government can lose trillions of dollars. And you know what happens? They turn back to the Federal Reserve and they turn the printing press back on. But who takes on that debt, Johnny Crypto? 
That would be the 25-year-olds. That would be the 45-year-olds. That would be the 65-year-olds living in America today. And that's a real concern I have. So I'd love for you to address that. How do you feel about the banks? They don't even need to succeed because if they fail, they get bailed out completely free. And now you've exposed the system. Now you understand how it works. Is there a design where they can fail? It's okay to fail because because everybody out there is going to bail them out. And what that really means is your your purchasing power is going to go down because they'll turn on the printer presses, they'll print more, and ultimately that lowers the value of your money. So everybody who has money goes down, but they all get their money back. So it's it's a win win for the system for the for the smart money. It's a lose lose for everybody else in the world, and that's the system we're in. And that's why Thomas Jefferson said exactly what he said. And by the way, a little history lesson here: the reason why people left those countries and came here to form a new country. Everybody thinks it was for religion. It really wasn't. It was mainly, it was partly that, but it was also for religious freedom. I'm not going to say it wasn't, but it was also due to the banking systems that were out there. When you look at our history and how we established, they did not want central banks here in the U S we had one and it was killed twice by the best president we ever had, Andrew Jackson um, in this, uh, this country flourished, but eventually in 1913, they put it back in place. And this is why we're in the situation we're in today. Absolutely, Johnny Crypto. And with that being said, Americans keep your guns. But we're going to start this show with a yeah. little RP. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just making jokes, guys. But I want to start off with a little positive news here. As the Fortune article says, Ripple and XRP could succeed regardless of the SEC's outcome. And before we dive into this article, guys, you already know the deal. We got 370 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny Crypto, we're about to dive into our most important article for today. But before I do that, I wanted to get some comments on your suit from this weekend. You're looking sharp, my friend. So just, just, just a chance to comment on this. Oh, that's fantastic. We were walking, we were, we were walking on our way to the, uh, to the event and uh, it was really, really cool. And so, yeah, we, we, we sported the uh, Merlin colors uh, as we were going there to, uh, to the Darcy Donovan uh, star dogs uh, red carpet event. So it was really exciting as we were on our way there. Uh, we're like, yeah, let's snap a picture. Unfortunately, <laughs> Coach took it, so he couldn't be in it. But yeah, it was pretty awesome. We were all sporting that look. And uh, again, great event. Really love what she's doing for the industry abs in terms of trying to change the whole the movie and Web3, bringing it all together. We'll talk more about that Friday, but it's really, really, it was really exciting. But yeah, yeah, Jeremy cleans up pretty good. Look at that. Good vibes, Johnny. Good vibes. And now we're going to dive into our article for the show because I felt like it was getting a little dark there. I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole. Let's bring some positive news for our listeners. So this weekend, we got some great news for the XRP community as Fortune Magazine came out and stated that Ripple and XRP could succeed regardless of the SEC's case. Now, what's so great about this is they highlight the on-demand liquidity that's been growing for Ripple ever since they were actually sued by the SEC in 2020. So Robert Tapps, Ripple's ODL, is its key sustainable success. Fortune's crypto editor, Jeff John Roberts, asserted that Ripple has finally found a long-term value proposition for this company in the native token XRP. In the newsletter titled, Ripple and XRP May Finally Be For Real, Roberts revealed that he has always been skeptical of the value proposition for cryptocurrency until he met with Ripple's president, Monica Long, earlier this week. Most notably, the kings of crypto, Coinbase, and the next generation of finance author now believes that Ripple and XRP have found their niche on Ripple's on-demand liquidity product. The ODL product has grown rapidly in the last two years from just three countries around the world in 2020 to over 40 payout markets today. And the most important part of that is that nearly 90% of all foreign exchange markets are being utilized in this on-demand liquidity system. So regardless of what's happening with the SEC and outside of the United States, Andrew Cashflow, 90% of the foreign exchange market is indirectly involved in the XRP ecosystem. And that's great news for all of our listeners. But Gonzo, I'd love to start with you and then we'll kick it to Cashflow. How do you feel about this article, Forbes magazine, or sorry, Fortune magazine, officially siding with Ripple and the success of their ODL product? Um, I think it's awesome. I just want to point out real quick. I blocked that WhatsApp user. That's not Coach TV. He doesn't use WhatsApp. So I just blocked it. But um, I, I think we talked about this before. I, I think it's awesome. You know, Ripple has, has positioned itself um, and continued to grow as if they lost the case, right? They just didn't focus on it. And when you look at the numbers that they give you, they talk about that they own 90% of the foreign market share. They've grown from three countries up to 40 countries, right? And they're going to keep doing that, right? Now, so regardless of what happens with the SEC case, which we all believe that they're going to eventually win, um, these guys are still growing and they're still developing. And it's just the rest of the world is kind of catching up, right? When they talk about, you know, 
cryptocurrencies, right? And then what is an actual use case? This is showing you right now what XRP's utility is and that it actually has a real use case. You know, Abs, just got to chime in there for a second. I, it's funny because I think as the SEC was obviously trying to shut down Ripple, they did the opposite effect, right? What they did was rather than letting it grow here in the U.S., they pushed it outside the country because they, they realized, hey, we can't work here. And so when we go from three countries to 40, they actually in, in the long run potentially did Ripple a favor because if they were focusing here, they probably wouldn't be focusing outward. And now they've got their seeds planted in 40 countries and then maybe even more growing. And then once the settlement comes, that's going to then open the floodgates in the U.S. And now you've already got 40 countries external and then you bring the biggest one in at all. Now you're in a really, really good position. So at the end of the day, this may actually work out better for Ripple. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out depending on how it's settled. But uh, if the settlement does come soon, I think that's what you're going to see in at some point they may be thanking the sec <laughs> absolutely johnny and i love this comment here this man he seems to be watching our show quite often because he agrees with us completely it's almost as if their global problem emerging that odl can be the solution to who could have guessed there's no such thing as a coincidence andrew Cashflow. there is only unrecognized patterns so i'd love to get some of your thoughts before we yeah. play this video of brad garlinghouse from back in 2018 you know what what that was funny in the previous article it was the, the, the reporter called it a niche product. And I think, oh, my God, have you any idea what kind of product this is and what, what kind of difference it can make in, in, in the world and in payment, in transactions and in speed and in cost? And it's a fantastic product. And I totally agree with Johnny. Uh, I think the SEC did ripple uh, an enormous pleasure to, to, uh, yeah, to, to push them for the time being, push them out of the United States get the whole infrastructure around the world, get it up and running, and then go there, you know? That's why I say, you know, have your bags filled with XRP, be patient, and, 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 and you know, our, our time will come, and it is a fantastic utility, actually. I think XRP is the best utility up till now, maybe next to Bitcoin as a store of value, but XRP, to my opinion, is the best utility uh, for for a crypto uh, uh, product, absolutely. And Johnny Crypto, I'd love to paint a picture of why XRP may be pumping today. But before we do that, I'd like to show our listeners a video of Brad Garlinghouse back in 2018 talking about how they're getting big banks to sign up for ODL. And I want to remind our listeners: in 2018, zero of these ODL corridors were existing. Here we are in 2023, three years after an SEC lawsuit. Over 90% of the foreign exchange markets exist within Brad Garlinghouse ecosystem. So guys, we got 385 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and check out this video of Brad Garlinghouse describing why XRP could take over finance. It'd be a hard sales pitch to walk into the Bank of India and say, rip out your ACH rail and use Ripple. You kind of be like, look, that's not a big problem. That's not a big friction point. If I go in and say to him, hey, your cross-border transactions, you're like, oh, that's a high friction point. My customers are frustrated that there's no transparency in the transaction. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to adopt Ripple. What happened, which we didn't really expect in Japan, is because the Japanese local rail isn't particularly efficient, we had all these banks talking to us about cross-border. They're like, well, wait a minute. Can't we use this domestically? Right. Yeah, you can use it domestically. Within Japan. Correct. And so we have, I think now, 63 banks that have signed up in Japan. It covers 40% of all accounts in Japan. Uh, they're in the process of going live uh, within Japan. What we can go down a rabbit hole right here, Johnny Crypto. But one of the things that sticks out to me is back in 2018, there was an article published that said by 2025, all banks' domestic payments in Japan will leverage ODL for liquidity. Now, I'm going to pull that up in the background while you go off here. But there was another stat that was revealed yesterday. Over 20% of all transactions within Korea are being completed on the XRPL. So I'm going to pull that article up as well. But why don't you give me your thoughts, Johnny? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, Abs, we know that Japan has been a huge supporter of XRP. And it makes more sense now to know that, you know, one of the reasons why they were the earlier adopters, I don't know if you realize this, but Japan was really, really early into XRP. It makes sense now. And I didn't know that part. So I'm glad you found that clip. That was good research. Good job, Abs. Um, the reality is when you look at that, you heard something very important there. He said, if you talk to the U.S. banks and the ACH system that they use internally, there's no problem there. And what do we always talk about? 
to have a solution, you have to have a problem first, right? So he realized that in the U.S. it doesn't work. But when he went over there, they're like, wait a minute, even our internal systems are crap. And hey, we can use it. And it makes sense that they adopt it and start using it in the country. And then they'll think of how much easier it'll be to also use it via cross border. So it sounds like Japan itself may be using the ODL for everything, both internal and cross border payments. That's huge. And maybe that becomes a model for other countries, unlike the US, that maybe are struggling with internal communication within banks. So you may see um, that used all over the place. But Abs, I just want to call out Nelsa here. And just say thank you, Nelson. We appreciate your comments, guys. Keep them coming. If you're learning from this show or you're finding that it's making your life easier, you're getting great content, you know, that's what we're here for, to help educate and, and open you guys. Again, we don't know everything. We're not perfect. We're humans, too. Um, but at the end of the day, we just try to do our best to bring you guys the latest information and how we're thinking. More importantly, is we're bringing you our thinking, right, how we look at things. Oops, sorry about that. But, yeah, Abs, very, very exciting that uh, to hear him say that. They're not only using it for cross-border payment, but they're using it internally as well. Absolutely, Johnny. And the mute button is killing me today, guys. So, <laughs> awesome. oh. I did want to get some of your thoughts, and I'm showing this article right now. This is SBI CEO back in 2018 stating every bank in Japan will use XRP by 2025. Well, that's only 24 months away, Gonzo. So we're, we should be expecting something bullish here. What does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is look at the charts, right? Like, you know, it's, it's important for us. We got to hold above that 44 cent level so that we can get into that range. And then really we need to break 53 cents and then we're off to the races in the automatic rally, right? Just like we were waiting for Bitcoin for it to break the 25.2 level. For XRP, it's kind of like that 53 cents level. And then that automatic rally is confirmed. But um, what I was going to say is what I'm excited about too, Abs, is once the we get the resolution of the, the SEC lawsuit and just kind of the drama goes away. Just imagine all the innovation. We understand that XRP and ODL, it was built for the cross-border payments, but think about when people don't have to worry about it and they can start to build other projects on the XRP ledger and find other use cases. Um, I, I think that's where really where where we're really gonna see the amazing power of, of, of XRP and what it can do. Because I think there are a lot of people that probably have ideas but because they don't want to cross the SEC and there's no clarity, um, you know, they haven't rolled out with it yet. They could always roll out with it outside of the U.S., right? But um, that, that's what I, that's what I'm looking forward to, right? It is a couple years down the future what they're going to create that we haven't even seen yet. Well, here's a prime example of why XRP and Ripple are the solution for on-demand liquidity. For anybody who doesn't understand how the banking system currently transfers money, this is a great illustration right here. And I'm not going to bore our listeners by walking us through this whole process. But as you can see, not only does your money travel through several banks, it travels through several clearinghouses as well. So there's many different people who have to say, all right, Johnny Crypto, you can go to this bank. Then you do that three or four more times before it actually gets to the user. But the reason that I'm showing our listeners that is because Gary Gensler referenced this back in 2018 and actually highlighted how Ripple was creating a solution through XRP. So what's so interesting is the man who is claiming this is a security is actually describing a use case for one of our favorite projects. So we're going to let this short clip play and go back to Johnny Crypto here. Here we go slowly selling and they're now down to 61%. But their revenue model on XRP is in essence selling the XRP. They only came up with a real use case of XRP in 2018 and a prototype called XRapid. Let me just pause this here, Johnny. He says a lot and I'm going to play the end of it, but think about what he said. They came up with a product in 2018 officially bringing utility to the XRPL, I wouldn't be surprised if those dates become very important in the lawsuit, but there's 15 seconds left. I'll play this and go back to you. Uh, there had XCurrent, which was a messaging system prior that didn't need to use XRP at all. So for four years, you had no use of XRP. As I understand it, zero use. They have Very interesting, Johnny. And I'm going to give you the open floor before I get takes from the other guys. Gary Gensler is currently the man responsible for claiming XRP is a security. Well, here we have video in 2018 describing how after 2018, there was utility within this ecosystem. And that in and of itself means it's not a security. I'm going to give you the open floor and then we'll kick it to the other guys. I don't know, but, but listen to what he said. And now it makes 100% sense why he's doing what he's doing and why they chose him to go after Ripple. It made perfect sense. If you listen to what he says, it's so, so telling. He says prior to 2018, for four years, all XRP was out there was selling XRP to make money off XRP. That's a security. No question about it. 
But then he clearly states after 2018, there is a use case in which it's no longer a security. And that's exactly what we have been saying on this show for two and a half freaking years now is that, yes, Gary, it was a security in 2013 and 2014. No doubt about it. Can't argue it. You're going to lose the argument. Anybody who tries to say it wasn't. Right. And that's why he's suing them. Why do you think abs he's suing them for activities in 2013 and not in activities after 2018? Because he himself says after 2018 that there's a use case. But what he doesn't. But what he does say is before that. And that's why the case is structured as is in 2013. He went after him. So it was security. It was. I'm not going to argue. They're going to lose that part. But the point is they were willing to pay the fee. All Gary has to say is what he just said right there. Just say it again, Gary. Just be willing to come out and say after, hey, you know what, guys? Yes, going forward, you're not a security. If they said that, this case would have been over two years ago. And he said it. So you know there's something else going on here. I don't know how many times I got to say it. There's a hidden agenda. We're not going to know what it is. But when the time is right, they'll end this thing. And then we'll finally see XRP do what it's supposed to do. And I'm getting excited because I think that time is coming pretty soon. I hope you're right, Johnny Crypto. And we got 409 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And if you think Johnny Crypto's correct, smash it three times for us. But Gonzo, I wanted to get some of your thoughts on what Johnny Crypto just highlighted there. The difference between, let's actually shift this conversation to the Ethereum argument, right? With Ethereum, there were, not only was there a confirmed ICO, you were able to buy Ethereum at 99 cents back in 2014, but seven of the initial 14 token purchasers still hold that Ethereum today. The reason I bring that up is because in 2020, we saw Ethereum shift from proof of work into proof of stake. And so what I think is going to happen is the SEC is going to draw a line in the sand. Everything before the proof of stake shift, you're going to be given a free pass. Everything afterwards could be considered an unregistered security. And that's one of my main concerns because obviously I talk about XRP every day on this channel, but I have a very diverse portfolio and Ethereum is one of those cryptos that I love to DCA into. So I am a believer in Ethereum. Are you concerned about the staking protocol shift that took place in 2020 and that Gary Gensler could come for Ethereum? Um, You know, anything's possible. He's going after everything. So I'm not going to take that off the table. I think you're spot on with your argument, but what's funny about that is that it's it's more of that it was a security when it came out. Like Johnny said, it was rolled out with an ICO. It definitely was a security when it came out. And then it transitioned, right? Uh, and, it, and, it, and it goes, for me, I think Ethereum is a commodity. And it goes to the point of what um, Quincy was talking about, right? Where um, the blockchain itself, Ethereum itself, is decentralized. It's a commodity. But that the apps and the things that are built on it can be centralized, Right. And so there's a separation point there. And that's why I believe that Ethereum is a, is a commodity. That's just my opinion. Um, will he go after it? Well, we know the state of New York is already going after it. So it, it wouldn't surprise me. But like I said, I, to be honest with you, I would welcome a lawsuit against Ethereum because I'd love to see the prices get crashed, like what happened with XRP with Ethereum. Because like Johnny likes to say, I'm going to back up the truck, right? Because eventually that's going to play out however it's going to play out. But Ethereum's absolutely not going anywhere. And just imagine the the, the the rebound that the price would do after it gets resolved. Um, and so, but yeah, any anything's possible. I, I wouldn't be surprised. They're trying to slow this thing down. So I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden they did try to sue Ethereum. Well, Andrew Cashflow, listen to this story because I think it only builds on what we've been painting the picture of today. NASDAQ aims to launch crypto custody services in the second quarter of 2023. And there's one line in particular that I wanted to read from this article. So the NASDAQ will join large financial firms like BNY Mellon, Fidelity, in offering custody services for cryptocurrencies, intermediary services, or the tokenization of traditional assets to utilize the advantage of related technologies. And that's just a a mouthful. What they're really trying to say is traditional assets coming to the blockchain, BNY Mellon, Fidelity, and NASDAQ, they're all set to profit. So Andrew Cashflow, is this more confirmation for you that Ethereum and many of these other cryptos are going to succeed in the long run? And all this FUD is exactly that, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It, it is absolutely inevitable that this will happen. And if I were a, a major player, like the uh, like Nasdaq, I would position myself in a position that 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 I am in, in in the front row to to get a piece of this big pie that's coming. Because if you don't do it, you will be beaten by Binance, by by Coinbase, by all those other uh, exchanges. So 
you have to be in the front row and better you team up with some major players because here is where the money is. I mean, I mean, I think in 10 years, uh, if, if you want to trade a stock, for example, and you do that, that yeah, uh, like in the way we do it currently, you will say, uh, how old and that's not 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 from this time anymore. We will do this with uh, 24 seven. I mean, I mean, stock markets open and closing. It's it's old. It's history. I mean, we need 24-7 stock markets. We need everything should be traded 24-7. So, yeah, I understand what's happening here. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's good for the for the crypto ecosystem. For everything, it's good. Absolutely. Yeah. And Johnny Crypto, I know you got some comments. And we're about to show our listeners the smartest way to track your crypto. I'll never forget that. But my friend, I want you to comment on this article right here. Because NASDAQ is officially coming out and making these statements while we are in the end of what I like to call a bear market, and for all of our listeners, 425 of them out there, these are the signs that you need to be watching for. Which projects are going to succeed are the projects that are making mergers and acquisitions during a bear market. And that's why we've continued to highlight Ethereum and AVAX. We're about to show our listeners another very interesting article about how Amazon released un unreleased files were shown this weekend, stating that Amazon's not only releasing NFTs, they're going to be releasing a digital token. And I know Gary Gensler's in the live chat, so I hope your lawsuit is ready. But Johnny, I'd love for you to just <laughs> I'd love for you to just address this here. NASDAQ officially moving into the crypto market. How big of a deal is this for us? Well, first of all, I wonder if Amazon has visited Gary five times yet, like Ripple did. Maybe he'll slap them in a lawsuit too. But uh, but but uh, you know, this is this is to me very significant news. As we've been saying all along, I've always felt. They're going to be transitioning the system. You have to understand how this is working, right? Crypto started out 2009, right? Wild, wild west. No, no, none of the big boys are involved, right? What you're seeing right now in front of your very eyes is the transition of the smart money taking over, or the elites taking over the system from the, the non-elites and in, in incorporating into their own. When the NASDAQ takes this over, and custody's crypto, that's it. That's it's over. It's further, it's it's and what I mean over, I mean it's it's gonna be validated. That's extreme validation because now the Nasdaq is a trusted source for trading your stocks. And Kevin O'Leary has said that crypto will become the 12th sector of the economy, right? Or something like that. And now you're when the Nasdaq, when you can easily just go and buy a crypto, just like you can throw into your e-trade account or your uh Charles Schwab account and buy a crypto off the Nasdaq. That's it. It's over. It's, it's official. It's going to be part of the system. Crypto will exist and will be here to stay. And it would have been absorbed into the, 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 whatever you want to call it, the elite system so they can profit off of it. That's where we're headed. We've been saying it. And this, by the way, by when did this, because this is so new. Oh, yeah, 17 hours ago. 17 hours ago, baby. Fresh Ooh. off the press for our fresh off the, smell it. Smell it. It's so fresh off the presses. And to me, extremely significant news. Because this was kind of the validation that I was looking for is seeing the big names that everybody trusts coming in it. And there you go. That's one of the biggest ones you see at winter when you talk about stock exchange. Absolutely, Johnny. And thank you for highlighting that. I do want to get into this Amazon article here, Gonzo, but let's actually start off with a project that I think is even cooler than Amazon launching NFTs. And Andrew Cashflow, we already know this could have a massive impact. But before we do that, I always got to remind our listeners, show us some love, smash that like button. We got one of the fastest growing communities in crypto and smashing that like button helps our message spread to like-minded individuals. So please smash that like button. We do this for, our, for you guys. Uh, Coinbase plans to create an inflation peg stablecoin this year, and Coinbase could introduce an inflation peg stablecoin called Flatcoins. Global Inc. is seeking, let me just scroll down here, sorry guys. Global Inc. is seeking to launch an inflation peg stablecoin dubbed Flatcoins amid the ongoing discussions surrounding the industry's regulation. Coinbase launched Base, which is a developer-friendly uh, Ethereum Layer 2 network, as part of its effort to bring in billions into blockchain. The company is seeking to provide three critical innovations to the network, and Flatcoins is just one of them. So Flatcoins would be backed by the price of living rather than the price of the U.S. dollar or fiat. This would be done by tracking the consumer price index and inflation data. So, Johnny, I actually want to pause it here and just talk about this. Is this the correct way to track inflation? Because if you're going to launch a project focused on tracking inflation, I don't know if the Federal Reserve's basket is the best to use. So before we dive into some more details here, do you think this is the best way to track inflation? Well, first, <laughs> no, it's not, but it's better than nothing. So I'd rather see something, you know, and kudos to Coinbase trying to create what they call a flat coin to track it. Where we have something like this, the stock market is called the TIPS, T-I-P-S, 
and it's an inflationary type thing. I think this is the uh, the blockchain or crypto coin version of it. So I like the idea of it, but you know it's funny when when I sent you this article, uh, abs <laughs> I copied the gods with everybody, and they were like, "Hey, I hope it actually uses." Walmart or McDonald's as an inflation. <laughs> I think it was, you know, and I think maybe Andrew said that, but that would be a better, but an indicator, right? Follow the store prices of a steak or something, and that's your true. But you're never going to get that because they don't want you to see that real inflation. This inflation uses what's called COLA, cost of living expense, which is like two to three percent. It's very small, but it's still better than nothing. I like, I like the idea or concept of it. I'm not going to lie. I think it's something very interesting. We'll see where it goes. But it's not going to be totally correct because it's not going to follow the true cost of inflation unless, as Andrew said, we follow McDonald's prices. Then it actually would. Andrew Cashel, I'd love to get some thoughts from you as well as Johnny makes some great points about tracking inflation. And of course, one of our listeners has said, Johnny, you're a handsome guy with a beard. Shout out to Johnny Crypto's beard on this Monday morning. But Andrew, I'd love to get some of your thoughts. They're talking about tracking inflation. And my question is, where is that value going to come from? How does this process even work? Is this something that can be created? I'd love to get your answers. Yeah, I'm absolutely convinced something like this can be created. However, we need a lot of consensus and we will be fighting in two camps. You know, we have the old uh, uh, consumer price index system where they measure inflation, which is actually also a wrong system because you must see the dilution of, of, a, of, a, of a currency is an inflation index. And on the other hand, yeah, there is a new party, in, in, a new kid in town. and says, hey, we are going to do this different. So I think it's absolutely a very interesting development. And you see also what the need is for such a system so that we at least that we can compare maybe two wrong systems, but at least you have something to compare. But in this article, something else took my attention. You know, it is, of course, it's the inflation-packed flat coin. Uh, but there is a second, what they want to do is an on-chain reputation system. And then I thought, hey, that, is, that sounds like a credit score system. And I can imagine maybe in the future, there will be a credit score system for parties that wants to do DeFi on a crypto kind of environment. And then you must qualify yourself to be a good partner to do DeFi or other financial services on a blockchain. So that means you can deserve credit points. And now the, the, the big takeaway comes, I think banks in the future have to work hard to, if they want to be a partner in the crypto ecosphere, which they want to be, they have to earn hard or they have to work hard to, to earn their credit points and it will be visible for, for, for other people and it will be visible for the whole, uh, yeah, for the whole world what is a good bank and what is a bad, bad bank because you can see it on the on the credit score so you know there, there is so much possible in this and, and there are new utilities found uh, yeah uh, all the time so i i you know from an innovation point of view i can only be yeah uh, very enthusiastic about this kind of developments Amazing, Andrew. And we're showing our listeners an interesting price chart here as XRP looks primed for a breakout, testing a long-term regression line. But Gonzo, we always highlight the fact that history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. And what we're seeing here is the price chart is turning bullish at the exact time that this lawsuit may be getting a resolution. And we're going to dive into that later in the show. But first, I want to show our listeners a video that was circulating throughout this weekend. This video went viral on TikTok, millions of views all over the planet. So I think we should play it here Days after Russia and Africa conference in Moscow, the president of Kenya issues a warning. People holding dollars might go into losses because this market, it's going to be different in just a couple of weeks. So I'm going to play a 20-second clip and go to Gonzo. Here we go. Uh, for the people who work numbers, I'm giving you free advice that those of you who are holding dollars, you certainly might go into losses. You better, you better uh, do what you must do because uh, this market is going to be different in a couple of weeks. And I know that sounds like fear-mongering. It really does, Gonzo, but I want to highlight this. They met Russia and China, shook hands in Moscow, took pictures, and discussed how they're going to start settling trade outside of the U.S. dollar. So I know it sounds fearful, but this is the time to be fearful. This is the time where people like us should really have awareness of what's coming. So I'd love to get some of your thoughts, Gonzo. Yeah, you know, and I think it goes into the kind of the same uh, 
argument that uh, Balaji was bringing up when he made the Bitcoin bet, the $2 million bet, where he was talking about hyperinflation and what could happen with the dollar. It wasn't so much about that, you know, Bitcoin's going to go on this run, but it was like pointing out the problem with the banks and how the wider problem of the devaluing of the dollar. Um, I still think me personally from, and I'm not an expert, right? But from the macro guys that I follow and that I read about, that um, we're still away from that, right? That it's not a matter of weeks. These guys are trying to break um, the dollar dominance. They're trying to break their dependency on the dollar. But like what Raul Paul was talking about, a lot of their debt is in dollars. So it has to be, if they're going to do it, it has to be a slow transition. It can't happen all at once, right? And that's why they need dollars. But you definitely see uh, where we're going. You can see where that dominance that the dollar had um, as the worldwide currency um, continues to take a hit. And and, and um, I, I could definitely see a future where, where, where that's not the case anymore. Absolutely, Gonzo. And we got 390 live listeners. We're about to show you guys the smartest way to track your... Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. It is the smartest way to track your crypto. And for any of our listeners who are familiar with our program, the link is down below. 30-day free trial. Give us all your feedback so we can improve the product. And the thing I want to close this episode out on, Johnny Crypto, is a video from, from one of our loyal listeners or someone we love to show on the show. This is Kathy Wood. So this video speaks for itself. We'll let a short clip play. Here we go. There are rumors, I don't know if they're true, uh, there are rumors that Governor DeSantis is um, going to work with the banking system in Florida, the state-regulated banking part of the system, and open them up more to crypto. Uh, just like with your book, as, as, as we know from your book, Taxes Have Consequences, uh, if he were to do something like that or any other government, uh, then uh, I think you would see a huge migration of the crypto digital asset world into Florida and into Florida. I think banks. you're totally right. I think you're totally right too, Kathy. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of back in 2020 when they gave tech companies an incentive to move down to Miami. They said, if your company is a technology innovative company making over $3 million per year, We'll give you three years of state tax exemption. So they were actually telling people, come down here. We'll charge you less. Well, we're seeing the same thing applied to crypto. What does that mean to you, Johnny? Well, this is huge. First of all, I don't know if you guys know this, but last I think it was last week, DeSantis actually uh, wrote a bill banning CBDCs in Florida. So that's number one. He's there. Number two. So he's actually welcoming in uh, crypto. I, th I think this is huge. Now, the question is going to be, you know, this is going to be so we are definitely in what they call the fight you stage. Right. This is going to be a very interesting fight between state and federal because you got the feds trying to kill it. And you got states saying, no, we want it or at least one state. Hopefully you'll see more of that. So abs, very, very interesting to keep an eye on this battle to see how this whole thing plays out and where it goes. But kudos. Good thing to, uh, you know, to the governor's the sanctus and also. There were a couple of congressmen also that felt the way this whole choke point had happened, the way they shut these banks down, specifically Signature Bank, wasn't even in default. And the FDIC came in and took them. They're fighting that battle, too. So, guys, go follow those senators. I think there's a, 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 well, there's a tweet out there for sure you can follow. 
that I put out there. But go follow those guys and make sure you support them. There are people fighting for crypto, and we do need that in the fight you stage right now. Absolutely, Gonzo. And check out this this latest update from Senator Ted Cruz out of Texas. He introduced a bill on Tuesday aimed at blocking the Federal Reserve from creating consumer-backed central bank digital currencies. And this reminds me of the Thomas Jefferson quote we read earlier in the episode. The government does not have the right to issue currency, and this is a primary example of that. Ted, uh, Ted Cruz was quoted saying, the federal government has no authority to, un to unilaterally establish a central bank currency. This bill goes a long way in making it sure that big government doesn't attempt to centralize and control cryptocurrency. Instead, it allows the United States to thrive. And that's what I'm hoping to see. Now, this may be an example of a good guy, bad guy, same agenda, but this is where we're at, Gonzo. So I'd love to get some thoughts from you, and then we'll close out with an Amazon article. Yeah, you know, at least it brings attention to the matter. Um, and I think um, him bringing a federal bill is more powerful than the states, right? Because while it's cool that the states are getting together and they want to ban CBDCs, um, the Fed still rules, right? And, and they're not going to be allowed to do that. Um, it has to come from, from the federal government. Um, and then as far as the story with the banks thing, uh, that, that that's a very interesting thing because then how does that play out with like they have to get their charter and are they going to be FDIC insured? Like what if the Fed doesn't like it and then they're not FDIC insured and things like that? So that's really interesting and it's something to definitely keep an eye on. But at least it's changing the narrative on crypto and um, overall it's bringing kind of a positive spin. Uh, and so that's always a, a good thing. Absolutely. And to close this episode out today, we're going to show you guys some groundbreaking news out of Amazon. As Amazon's NFT plans were teased and their receipt mailed on Friday afternoon, this is a pretty interesting story. So Coinbase Managing Editor for Global Policy and Regulation, can't pronounce this name, received an email from an official Amazon accounting appearing to confirm the existence of digital tokens and NFTs on Amazon Web Services. D had not purchased any non-fungible token from Amazon and did not have any prior knowledge of the plan's integration for NFTs. The email proved new insights in Amazon's new plans for Web3 expansion and hints at where these new tools might go live on the platform. Now, what's most interesting about this article, Andrew, is the connections between Amazon Web Services and AVAX, also known as Ava Labs. Now, although there were no connections to NFTs directly within this partnership, I think it's safe to assume that they could be collaborating as this is the only blockchain connection we've seen with Amazon. A digital token was also deposited into the hosted gallery for the official Amazon website. However, it appears to be provided. The link does not work yet. The email also mentioned resale opportunities, noting that NFTs could make it eligible for resale, but currently it's not unlocked. D was not able to access the digital tokens, and it's unclear how NFTs could be connected to the subscription renewal, though the email and the tr transaction confirmation were received at the same time. And that was a little bit confusing there. So what they're trying to say is NFTs could be the, the digital ownership for the subscription here. So Johnny Crypto, a couple of minutes left. Why don't you just close us out on this article, and then we'll bring it home. Well, you know, always you got to wonder with these things how how real some of these things are. Uh, but you know, certainly it's no surprise here, Abs, to think that that Amazon is going to get into the NFT space and also have its own token. No question about it whatsoever. Uh, but I think since this show is really for the people, I do want to address this question because I think this is a very very valid question here in terms of what are we supposed to do with our cash if the dollar is going down? Right. The president came out as you showed in that clip that. Um, there's some agenda hitting on there. We know that the whole agenda is to move away from the world reserve currency. The dollar is the world reserve currency, and that is going to hurt everybody who holds U.S. dollars. So we're not financial advisors, but one of the things I I would you know as as I'm thinking here, the things to do, you know, obviously crypto is one way, but you want to invest in assets outside of the dollar. So things like gold, things like silver, things like real estate, real assets are your best bet. If you leave it just in the dollar and they kill the dollar, well. You're in a lot of trouble. So you can even maybe invest in a basket of coins or, you know, go to, you know, go, go get some, you know, rubles or get some one or whatever. You can go to, you know, your local banks. So some banks will do that, exchange it. But to me, like having gold, having silver is truly one of the best ways to kind of protect your assets. So if you can't do anything else, that's probably one of the best things. And you can usually find them at your local coin shops. <clears throat> Absolutely, Johnny. I agree with you. It is go in somewhere that cannot be printed like like indeed real estate gold silver uh you know stocks for of, of blue chip companies is also okay you know so uh 
um, yeah, be, be careful with what you're doing and diversify. Do not put everything, all, all your eggs in one basket because only one hole in the basket and all your eggs are gone. So uh, I won't make it too long because I know, uh, Epps, you want to you wanna close down this, uh, this fantastic episode. And I'd like to thank you, actually, you, Epps, for every day here being in the show. High respect for, uh, for Epps. Thank you so much, Andrew Cashel. That does mean a lot to me. And I want to remind our listeners that this Wednesday, we have one of the most special guests we've had, an XRP permable, as it says in his Twitter bio. Brad Kynes is going to be joining the show this Wednesday, so I am very excited for that. We're going to close out this show the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny. Thank you to Andrew Castro. And thank you to Gonzo, a.k.a. Super G. we got 362 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we'll see you guys in 23 hours. Like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.